2: What's going on, everybody? This is BTM Radio, episode number 347, I think Brandon said before we started the podcast. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of leadingrynation.com. The Eagles played a football game on Sunday. A real one for the first time in a long time. And they won! And they beat Bill Belichick on the road! And yet, kind of unsatisfying.
1: But before we get to all that... Brandon, where can I find the finest meat snacks in the land? Well, I don't know what you're talking about. I think everyone's thrilled after that win. <laughs> Definitely no issues to talk about. But before we get into all of those things, obviously you want to go to righteousfelon.com and check out Righteous Felon Craft Jerky by using discount code BGN15. That's right. It's back to BGN15 for 15% off your order. The same meat snacks that the Philadelphia Eagles. Eat. It seems like they maybe didn't have enough going into week one. They could have used a little bit more of the proper fuel to really have a sharper performance. Maybe they'll have some more ahead of Thursday's game against the Minnesota Vikings. But uh, you can get in on the action once again. Right to sell discount code BGN fifteen for fifteen percent off delicious, locally sourced meat snacks. I'm gonna start on
2: off I'm gonna start off on a positive note. Hmm. Okay so what we'll do is we'll bat it back and forth. Uh we'll you know kind of give our takeaways on the game. And the obvious player uh of note on the positive side is Jalen Carter mm-hmm. who was just ridiculous in that game. Was just be- I mean he was playing mostly against I guess David Andrews is like a um you know a veteran center but the two guards were sort of late replacements for Cole Strange who's their starting left guard and Mike Unwinu, who was their st- who the Patriots' starting right guard. Both of those guys were out, uh, as was right tackle Riley Reef. So they had a really makeshift offensive line heading into this game. Uh, it was Antonio Maffi who was playing left guard, and City Sal, who was playing right guard. City Sal, I think, was a, is a rookie fifth-round pick, I want to say. Maybe fourth, fifth, I think, though. And then Maffi, I believe, was a sixth-round pick. So these guys were kind of just thrown to the fire and they got their asses kicked (laughs) by Jalen Carter in that game. Carter was just winning very quickly. Um, I mean, just leaving them in the dust like they had cinder block feet. And the ball is coming out so fast that, you know, they weren't resulting in sacks. What they were resulting in were sort of contested throws and, you know, getting in the face of Mac Jones. Some of them he he completed anyway. Uh, Some of them he didn't. But he was the star of the defense in that game, and he's going to be a great player. Finally, did get to Mac Jones in kind of a high leverage situation. It was a second and ten uh, on a on the on the Patriots' final drive, where they were they had a chance to win the game late. Of course, as you saw, uh, and he finally got to him, and you know wound up being a loss of four, third and fourteen, and you know eventually the Eagles were able to turn him over on downs. But when you're looking long term at what this guy can be, he can be a star player. And may very well be that for a long time for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think if you're one of the teams that didn't take a quarterback, but drafted before the Eagles. You got like, if you're a fan of one of those teams, you got to be like, why did, why didn't my team not take that guy instead of, I don't know, fill in the Devin Witherspoon, like uh, uh, Tyree Wilson, guys like that. Why did we take that guy instead of Jalen Carter?
1: According to Pro Football Focus via our friend, Fran Duffy, no defensive tackle in the NFL had more pressures with seven than Eagles rookie Jalen right? Carter on Sunday. That's insane. Mm-hmm. And he played 40 snaps, I think, too. So like a
2: lot of guys are playing more than that. And he he did he did get to play in like high leverage, um, like, pat you know, mm-hmm. obvious passing down. So that helps. But nevertheless, to lead the NFL, lead NFL <laughs> first game defensive lineman and pressures in his first game is very impressive.
1: Yeah, Dylan Harder is for real. And I think we saw that throughout training camp. And that's certainly something we're seeing carry over into the season. That's definitely a big point of optimism, not only for this season, but for years to come. If he can continue to, uh, you know, stay out of any kind of issues that would pop up, um, then the Eagles have a real steal. It's hard. It's hard to get like a steal. In th- at nine, in theory, yeah, at nine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that you traded up for but i mean yeah. he is if he continues down this trajectory so that's certainly a positive i have a kind of a more general takeaway as my first thing and mm-hmm. it's that winning in the nfl is hard man and i think people kind of forgot yeah. that based on how easy last season was and i think that was not that's definitely not the norm it's It's not easy. You don't typically just cruise to 14 and three. That's why last year was an incredibly special season. Even going into this game, I felt no kind of concern that the Eagles were going to lose, really. Uh, Like, I, I, you know, some people are like, oh, I'm getting nervous, you know, feeling week one and everything. And I never felt that way. And then after the game, I felt like, four years had passed like I'm a president now like I just felt like exhausted I was like oh my gosh like this I forgot how exhausting this is like this is like a mental wreck (laughs) because it's you know it's the back and forth and you start out strong and then you look like you're gonna blow it and you hold on like it's exhausting so I think that's kind of a takeaway to me on zooming out bigger picture as I like to do it's a new year and it's not as simple as just picking up from where they left off last year you have to start all over again this year the start i think is a very much a reminder of that and it doesn't mean they can't get back to that place ultimately but clearly it's a long road they have a lot of work to do there are real concerns here um i'm not really down on the team by any means but clearly i don't think you know it's it's, it's no cakewalk it never is typically for the most part last year kind of being an exception and this season the same thing ultimately we've talked about how it's important for the eagles to bank wins early in the year before they get to the tougher later portion of their schedule so even though it didn't look pretty uh they want to know and you'll certainly rather be in that position having to work on your issues, than being O and one yeah they didn't have many close wins last year
2: so uh the cardinals game was one where you know uh the eagles backup kicker or fill-in kicker bested the cardinals fill-in kicker and then the colts game where they needed a late drive both road to games, win that by game. the way and then uh they had a lot of the other games that were one score games but really weren't mm-hmm. close like they the other team scored just to make it a one score game and then the eagles put it away from there like lions week one um uh what else we got here green bay was one yeah bears giants so there was a bunch of, i actually saw like somebody say that the eagles had lucky wins like they they were their lucky quotient was high no. because they won a lot of one score games. get out of here with that um, and like, but they, they, they had two close wins last year. And certainly this game against the Patriots falls into that bucket. That was a close, uh, win for sure. Um, yeah, so they didn't really face, Like you said, they didn't really face much adversity in that way. Uh, a year ago, they didn't have to pull out games late very often. Uh, but to start the, the season with one and also against like that kind of team where I think Belichick really had a nice game plan for the Eagles offense. Yeah. And um, just from a mental perspective, I think that's a great first test for Jalen Hurts, who didn't <laughs> make any real wow plays, but he also didn't make any, and hold on here, mm. didn't make any big mistakes well. through the air, <laughs> but he had the bad fumble, obviously. Egregiously game, bad fumble. Was, that, was, that was that was a big hit. Great play by Julius, by, was. Julius Peppers. Jabril Peppers. <laughs> great play by him. Like that was a great hit. Put his helmet on the ball and just he stuck him. Like he didn't the Hertz tried to juke him and didn't work. And uh Peppers made a big play. But yeah, he can't fumble obviously in that situation. And he did. And he
1: it almost cost him the game. That was the first point where I was like, Oh, they, they're gonna lose this game or they might lose this game. That was like that was it. Because if the Patriots go down and capitalize that things could go a lot differently so um yeah I definitely think Hertz had some nice moments in terms of he had that one play I think on like a third and ten or something where he like scrambled away from he avoided oncoming rushers in the pocket and you know did what he does and, and broke free for a first down and but for the most part um yeah it was disappointing and certainly I think you can't talk about him without also talking about the context of the disappointing debut of Brian Johnson, the Eagles' new offensive coordinator. One touchdown, Jimmy. The Eagles' offense scored yeah. one uh, Short field. Touchdown. yeah, And it was on the short field. It was field. after the
2: uh, Jordan Davis forced fumble. But I think they only had to go like 20,
1: 25, 30 yards, something like that. 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 That's like – I know Belichick – look, so let's acknowledge all the caveats here, which I think are fair to point out. In, it's Bill Belichick. The Patriots have talented defensive players, although they're missing one of their mm-hmm. cornerbacks. Um, the weather was not great um pass rush is very good you're on the road pass rush is good you're on the road it's the tom brady game there's definitely like things working the crowds against you whatever all, all that said <laughs> you can't have dallas goddard who didn't even get a freaking catch and i only saw one target aj brown Devontae smith and jalen hurts and a, uh what's supposed to be a good offensive line you can't have all of that And only score one touchdown. That's just, that's insane. It it is. Yeah. It is so hard to believe that they could only muster six points. I'm not saying they need to drop a 40 burger, but really only one. Like that's just, that's crazy to think. And it's kind of funny because my score prediction for this game was 27 to 20. So it wasn't even that far off of what I thought was going to happen. Ultimately, Mm -hmm. the way they got there, obviously not the case. And look, I, you know, I think it's way too early to press the panic button on Brian Johnson, and he's going up against you know one of the better coaches in the NFL, but man, uh, not a great de- debut.
2: Yeah, not a run game wasn't there. Uh, certainly, the big play they didn't, they didn't hit explosive. They had the one to AJ Brown that got called back because that was close
1: that that catch. By the I way, I hate this. I hate this. This is this is, this is the exact <laughs> same thing as Devontae Smith in the Super Bowl last year. There's you can't call it a yeah. catch and tell me it's a hundred. I thought the standard of proof was it's 100% not a catch. That's what you have to say to overturn it. And then you can't tell me that was 100% not a catch. You can tell me maybe 99, but that's not the standard. If there's like even a little bit of chance of doubt, it has to stand. You have to go with the ruling on the field. The old Les Bowen
2: thing was like, he hated how they slowed down like the, (laughs) the review to like, you know, frame by frame to see if like there was any kind of bobble or not. And, it gets a little out of control with that. I I think that one was wasn't horrible on an overturn. I thought that wasn't as that that wasn't as bad an overturn as the Devontae Smith one in the Super Bowl. But they do get a little out of control with slowing down those frames and like trying to find any sort of uh, um, you know in, imperfection in the catch. So uh, I don't know. Whatever. Um, he had a big drive. Uh, A.J. Brown on that drive anyway. He had three catches for, I think it was 46 on that. That was a crucial drive, and it wound up, uh, you know, ending in a field goal, but that was a drive that put him up by eight. I think at that point it was 22 to 16, I want to say, 22 22 to 14. And, um, yeah, he came up clutch, I thought, in that situation. But to your point, yeah, you can't, like, Kenny Gainwell, by the way, too. Not, not, Not Kenny Gainwell. DeAndre Swift, by the way. Like, he got three touches. Dallas Goddard got one target. How's that possible? And like Kenny Gainwell Dude. got, I think, 18 Dude. Touch, touches. He had four catches and 14 carries, I want to say. I, you can't tell me that he's more talented than DeAndre Swift.
1: The Gainwell thing is so, it's so perplexing to me. When in in his entire really even career has he ever been, like going into the league, I thought the book on him was clearly, okay, like a complimentary, um, part of a running back rotation kind of guy. This is not a guy who profiles as a lead ball carrier, as a workhorse guy. That's right. never been the case. And, you know, looking at his usage in week one, and you know, look, maybe this will change, but um, looking at his usage in week one, uh, I went through the snap count and like, you know, uh, divide. I'm stalling here because I'm trying to look where, okay, I had it. So, t- t- Kenny Gainwell touched the ball on 28% of the Eagles total offensive snaps. He logged 33 sorry 38.3 of their total touches all going all around to a team again a team that has Devontae Smith a loaded offense yeah and Kenny Gainwell was touching (laughs) it more than a third of the whole collection of talent and then he had 82 percent of just the running back touches like what are we doing here he was not so great in training camp that he has to be like the workhorse the guy that's that's crazy I don't I'm not saying he he was bad and he wasn't he didn't even have a bad game but he's just not that guy. He's not that guy, especially when you're in a situation that the Eagles were in. Kenny Gainwell looked good on the first drive. Great. That's cool. But then they have that stretch there where they have what four three straight uh yeah, four straight three and outs. Like, I don't know. How about maybe give the ball to the explosive? Can make something happen. Running back, DeAndre Swift, you know, like maybe get him a touch in there at some point. Not just and not a just a catch too, but like actually a handoff. The ball. You're right. I don't even think they handed off the ball to him like till like the third quarter or something. Like, what are we doing yeah. here?
2: Odd. Yeah, odd. Um, we actually have not, I wouldn't call it breaking news, but because it's because the Eagles play on Thursday, mm. we get an injury report. We're, <laughs> so we're recording stupid. this, by the way, on, on Monday night. We have an injury report already Monday night. Uh, and the list is as follows in alphabetical order safety Reed Blankenship ribs did not practice, cornerback James Bradbury is in the concussion. Uh, protocol, did not practice. Again, they, they didn't practice at all today, by the way. These are just the, if they had a practice, would they have practiced? So did not practice. Fletcher Cox, ribs, did not practice. Kobe Dean, as we know, uh, or maybe you don't know, I don't know. He has a foot injury. He's going to be out uh, multiple weeks, quote unquote, oh. according to Ian Rappaport <laughs> of NFL Network. Uh, probably and then I think Schefter said later, it's going to be about a month. So he could maybe go on IR. Um, we'll get to that. That's going to be another topic of mine. The linebacker situation. We'll come back to that. And then Kenny Gainwell ribs, um, did not practice. So three guys with ribs and in, injuries, blanket chip Cox Gainwell, Bradbury with a concussion and Nakobe Dean with the foot, all important players there. <laughs> so like, that's not great. Uh, I'm curious to see how the Vikings came out of their game. which They lost by the way at home to the Buccaneers. Um, we'll get to that later in the week. But um yeah, so they they got they suffered five injuries in that game uh after heading they they went into that game with literally nobody on the injury report uh you know in terms of like anyone with a, an official status like questionable or anything like that so uh yeah they they suddenly have a bunch of guys who are hurt here um if Bradbury can't go on Thursday, not great because the Vikings, as you are aware, employ. Justin Jefferson, and they also drafted Jordan Addison in the first round. He had a touchdown catch, uh, Week One. Fletcher Cox, I thought, by the way, had a good game. In addition, in addition to it honestly,
1: his most memorable like play I can think of in a long time. Couple plays there where he had the what the run stop on the third down for yeah. no gain, and then he basically him and Hassan Reddick combined to force Mac Jones into a throwaway in fourth down. And there's another play where he got held clearly, and they didn't call it. <laughs> like he had just killed the guy.
2: And, uh, and it was just blatantly hell, and they, they didn't call that play. That, that'll that bring me to the next point, I guess, too. Another positive one here. We mentioned Jalen Carter, but Jordan Davis played his ass off, too, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He had the forced fumble. He had his first sack of his career, shared it with uh, Josh Sweat. And, you know, we knew going into that game that the Patriots probably wanted to be run heavy, but they got behind and they said they, had, quote, unquote, had to throw. But then after they did throw for a while, they realized, oh, we can we can pick apart these guys in the short to intermediate parts of the field. They ran a lot of like bubble screens and they found uh, their tight ends over the middle quite a bit. Um, but the run game was not very effective. Uh, Remondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott combined, I think, for hmm. like... Um, I forget how many carries, but they only have like fifty something (laughs) yards. I want to say so they were totally. Ramondre Stevenson in particular did nothing, and as a runner, he had a big play as as a receiver. But uh, in the run game, you know, I thought Jordan Davis did
1: a really good job. uh, You know, right in the middle of the defense there. If you want to be a Debbie Downer, you could say (laughs) like, oh, um, like you know, players who have kind of not been like Fletcher Cox. It's been a while for him. Jordan Davis didn't have the best rookie season last year. Again, you brought up Deon Carter, looked awesome. Mm.
2: Milton had a good game too, Milton Williams, by the
1: way. Milton, uh, again, the, the Patriots were starting backup guards. No yeah. right, <laughs> an experience, yeah. So that certainly fair. has to be yeah, factored in. Now, that being said, I still think, yeah, I'm still encouraged by all of those things. Just adding that context, I will say too about Jordan Davis's forced fumble. That's not just like a one off play to me, too, in terms of like it doesn't mean anything bigger. I think that speaks to his athleticism. That's why you draft a guy who's so large and athletic, because in theory, he can like he can he can do something in crazy athletic and get out in space. (laughs) Yeah, it was on a screen and he chased Zeke down from behind and he just tackled him and forced the ball out. And I think even with Jordan Davis and his first career sack, which was the half sack split with Josh Sweat, he like I was rewatching that sack. And he's just so massive that he like reaches around the guard. Like He's not even fully uncovered by the guard there. He just like reaches around the guard and he can just get a hand on Mac Jones. So, again, that speaks to like how large and athletic he is and how those things are valuable. So, yeah, really like to see that from Jordan Davis. Um, definitely an encouraging sign. Let's stay on the injuries real quick because N'Kobe Dean being out is
2: potentially a problem. Because now you're potentially a problem. (laughs) Now you're looking at starting, uh, yeah, not potentially a problem is a problem. Because now you're looking at starting Zach Cunningham and Christian Ellis. And by the way, those are the only two awful (laughs) linebackers they have on the fifty-three man roster now. Well, Nickoby Dean aside, of course, they have Nicholas Morrow on the practice squad. And it's funny because Nick got asked about Nicholas Morrow during his presser today on Monday, and he's like. He's like well you know we like him obviously that's why he's on our 69 man roster that's so (laughs) dope we like him so much that he couldn't make the 53 man roster uh of course he's you know if
1: you ask if you ask any of those guys about a specific player about a specific player they're going to say nice things we Um, loved our employees so much (laughs) that we fired them and then brought them back at a reduced salary
2: (laughs) right and they're not really on the team but they're kind of on the team uh anyway yeah, it's a big problem area. Uh, Hunter Henry and Mike Jasicki in that game uh, combined for eight catches for 92 yards and a touchdown. And then just like on a lot of those bubble screens, a lot of those went to, to the running backs and some of them went to wide receivers. But the flow of the linebackers to those plays wasn't great. They had a lot of opportunities, the Patriots did, to um, where they had numbers on the outside. And part of that was because the linebackers weren't flowing over there quickly enough. So it's concern uh, mainly in coverage. I thought they were fine against the run, but in coverage, those the linebackers on Sunday did not look good.
1: The middle of the defense as a whole is clearly a concern. It's a yeah. weakness between the linebackers and the safeties. Although I thought Reed Blankenship had a good game, he made a big tackle to force like a fourth and eight. Or fourth and ten, late in the game, yeah, later. out on the Open perimeter, tackle. and uh, Nick Sirianni tried to like hit him with whatever he was holding. <laughs> he was all fired. <laughs> I don't
2: know if they showed that on TV, but he ran out on the field and he tried to hit him uh, with something because he was all fired up,
1: and he missed. <laughs> and uh, but also, yeah, that, that was
2: that was a big tackle by Reed.
1: Also, could have had an interception in the end zone. Kind of, I thought that was more like pass inter- offensive pass interference that kind of robbed Reed of a chance of an interception. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking, so yeah, mean that's con- you are starting Justin Evans who. I brought this up. I did a little interview today with uh, the you know Jody and John McMullen on Birds 365. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Justin Evans, who's starting for the Eagles, this is the guy who the Eagles had to text all, every, every media person and tell them, hey, we're not done at safety. This isn't the only move we're going to make. So that kind of tells <laughs> you clearly how much they really think of him. If they're like, hey, this guy we just signed, don't worry. We're going to do more at the position. That's your week one starter. And he basically played the entire game. Um, Terrell Edmond saw some limited snaps in there, but um for the most part it's Blankenship and Evans on the back end. So it's not great. And it's certainly something that you would expect teams to continue to try to exploit there. And it's tough. I mean, you lost <laughs> you lost four members of your defense, all in the middle. You lost CJ Garner Johnson, you lost Marcus Epps, you lost TJ Edwards, you lost Kaiser White. Are those players you know, obviously CJ DJ had a prolific season. Are the rest of those players stars? No, not necessarily, but and arguably, I think he goes downgraded for the TJ most Edwards part. TJ Edwards is
2: way better than any, any of the linebackers they have on their team right now.
1: Yeah. So, not a star and player, also, but also way better than anyone they have. Also was durable, was not missing time with injury. Right, and Kobe right. Dean, that's kind of a bugaboo with him or becoming one with him now. He missed time in training camp, as we talked about, at least five practices with a ankle injury. Last believe, year as well. He- yeah. Now he's missing time with a foot issue. So, like, this is a concern. This is and it's it's possibly potentially speaks to you know, he's smaller. Like, is that someone who might be able to physically hold up as much, getting, you know, banged around a lot? I don't know. So uh yeah, I think the middle of the defense is a concern. And also, um, you know, you I th- you believed I believe you mentioned in there about James Bradbury, correct? Yes. Well, one thing that hasn't been a concern as much. Or one thing I want to draw credit to is um, certainly Darius Slay got things started. The The, the pick six was a gift. <laughs> I think the for the most part. The pick was a gift.
2: The pick six is a play that only he and a few other people can make.
1: The return was very good. agree. Yeah. The pick itself. Yes. He didn't. I don't think he did anything exceptional there. That ball went high off of a receiver's hands and he happened to be behind them right. and caught it. So it was in the raining. you know, give him credit. The return was very nice. Took it to the house. The play later in the game, and I think Baldy pointed this out too, and this kind of like, I think kind of speaks to um, like deserving it, you know, sometimes like uh, maybe you don't get the pick right away, but you get it in another spot or like a receiver who, um, I don't know, I guess I'm not really explaining this well, but basically um, sometimes you deserve to be lucky. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And you look at that interception he could have had later in the game where I thought that was really impressive. He made a really nice play. Yeah. It looked like there was a lot like, of
2: separation and then yeah. boom, he closed that gap
1: in a heartbeat. He he did something that I think top-notch corners do, which is they sometimes little bait the quarterback a little bit or they're playing far off enough to where it looks like they're beat, but they're really not because they, uh, they have closing speed and they have the yeah. makeup speed to get back into the play. And if the receiver there doesn't do a good job of breaking it up and it was kind of, you know, it was a tough catch to make for even any player wide receiver to over the shoulder like that, especially a cornerback Darius like could have had another pick there. There aren't many quarterbacks, um, the cornerbacks that even attempt to try to catch that ball. They're just sure. trying to knock it away. He tried to make a catch on that. So credit to big play Slay. i have been tough on him, obviously, but he made some big plays and that's, that's what you want to see. That's why you pay him to be, you know, or that's why he's, he's one of the top paid players on the roster on the other side. Uh Josh Job came in for James Bradbury, who Josh Job will be likely be starting on Thursday yeah, night. With uh, a
2: Thursday game, that's not a lot of time to come back from the concussion protocol. So it's un- I would say it's probably
1: unlikely James Bradbury's gonna be back in time. I agree. But Josh Job That's Jobe the only that- way
2: that I think Brent Selleck missed the game in his career. I was gonna
1: bring that up. That's yeah. funny.
2: Yeah. We could be, I mean, otherwise he would have, he would have like never missed a game, but he yep.
1: missed the game because of the concussion protocol on a Thursday night game. Yeah. So tough spot for him. Um, Josh Job had that crucial force out at the end of the game. And that's a pretty, I think that's a pretty impressive thing to come off cold off the bench like that. They and were clearly he, targeting him. Like they looked at him. They should be. <laughs> they were be. going at him no matter what, which is, you know,
2: pure Belichick and, and, uh, the smart thing to do, frankly.
1: And uh, certainly that guy, the receiver a Booty on the on the, the Booty on the Patriots, the rookie receiver yeah, who, yeah, uh, Booty, yeah, he's certainly not the best receiver at keeping both feet in. He had that issue earlier. It should yeah. have been an easy first down after it was the first drive of the Patriots of the second half there, um, and he just couldn't stay in. But give Josh Job, I think credit for coming off. Uh, the bench cold, and also he had a really good tackle on special teams as well. And I think Joe had a really good summer, so um, he's no James Bradbury, I think. But going into this week two game, I have more confidence, or I have some level of confidence that he might be able to hold up. And hopefully, I'm not jinxing him. We'll see what he can do. And he's probably played against. Uh, he's probably played against
2: Justin Jefferson before, from, L- he, from be, Alabama, LSU. LSU. L- Alabama. So he's probably played him before. I'd have to look that up. Um, but yeah, he's uh, they they kept him on the team as an undrafted rookie last year for a reason, and he played well in camp. So there's reason to believe that he can fill in and be okay.
1: Let's take a break here, Jimmy. Uh, we will be back after um, this. This
0: with Kiss it can's free shoes. Motion sounds something like this.
1: wrong crowd beer company jimmy we had a great time at wrong crowd beer last week the podcast episode it has been posted for that if you want to check out um the q a that we had also if you were actually part of the pod want to hear yourself back on the pod it's on there so you can check that out but uh jimmy what makes wrong crowd beer so great to you so i had the the vanilla
2: orange one that, that was one's really great. Good. It's a sour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That one was very delicious. Uh, but yeah, they, it's, uh, it's a cool place. Uh, wrong crowd beer in Westchester PA. You can order their beers online from wrong Uh, we'll probably be doing something with them. Um, I don't know. Some point later in the season, maybe, uh, I don't know if it'll be a podcast episode, but maybe a meet and greet or something like it will to be determined. Um, so if you missed the first, uh, you know, if you missed the live show from a week ago, then you can come out and hang out uh, maybe a little later this season. But, yeah, again, order their beer online, com, or find them wherever you get your beer. And if they don't have wrong crowd beer wherever you go, tell them, yo, goober, get some wrong crowd beer in here. What are you doing?
1: All right. Next thing. What I really do you like got? the last thing I had on them is I really like the Oktoberfest beer. They, they gave me some of those as a little, you know, gift for coming out, doing the pod there, and that's a good one, too. So if you see that one, I would recommend giving that a try, especially, you know, this time of year as fall is coming up. Uh, let's talk about the defensive coordinator. Since we talked about Brian Johnson, Sean Desai, thought the defense did some good things. Obviously, the playmaking at the beginning was nice. Mm-hmm. I really liked on that Jalen Carter sack, the Eagles' sent a Blitz. How about that? Where uh, they kind of forced the issue a little bit. And I think that forced Mac Jones into the step up into Jim Carter sacking him. So I thought there were some positives for sure. There was another blitz
2: that got Brandon Graham free and Brandon Graham had a nice shot on Mac Jones. Uh, He wasn't the blitzer. Of course, he's coming off the edge, of course, but there another blitzer freed him up Mm -hmm. and he made a big hit. Patriots didn't like it,
1: Um, (laughs) but, but yeah, it was a big hit by BG on that play. I thought that was a underrated important play. That's kind of like a tone setter for the defense. It's like, especially yeah. if you're getting beat up a little bit, and the Patriots are gaining some momentum. It's like, hey, smack the crap out of the other quarterback and kind of like, you know, remind him that you're here. Yeah. So yeah, I did like that. Um, the defense did benefit from a lot of things. Like I said, that guy who couldn't stay in bounds. I mean, the the Patriots would have had a chunk play mm-hmm. on their first drive of the second half as they were down. 14 to 16 at that point and driving or having a potential to drive there. And guy the steps out of bounds when I think, you know, like 90% of NFL receivers make that catch. It was not an exceptionally hard catch to make. I felt like, um, so that was an issue. You saw Juju a lot You had a drop that, that kind of killed the drive. TikTok boy had a drop. Um, <laughs> and there were a lot of a lot of things like that so i think the eagles definitely and obviously look there's some of that stuff's going to happen in any game right for sure but it was a higher volume and certainly the rain was a factor in that so i just you know i don't i do my winners losers and i don't knows after the games i would put brian johnson in the loser category i mean that offensive production is just it's not going to cut it relative to expectation i put the sign that i don't know because i don't think the defense was great because of some of those things i mentioned, but. I guess I'm intrigued to see more and it certainly felt like a good start, but then the Patriots really had their way with the attacking the middle of the field there for a bit. Obviously they kind of made a run late in the game. Um, it, it was close.
2: The play calling was on offensively was left, left something to be, to be desired in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like there were times last year where, you know, Shane Steichen would just kind of get on a heater there and especially in the second quarter that was like their thing and just did they never really got into a rhythm at any point during the game did they ever really get into a a solid rhythm um and you know it's 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 his first time doing it with the eagles calling plays obviously so there's going to probably be a ramp up a little bit until you know he kind of gets the hang of it and and you know understands the flow of the game or whatever but um yeah i don't i i don't like micromanaging play calling so much, but there were a you don't few like Mike Rose play calling. <laughs> there is the, there were a few calls that I just, as soon as they had happened, I was like, no, come on. It was, uh, the one that I thought was really bad when they were, they were third and really long at their, at the Patriots 40 and they ran a run play with Kenny Gainwell and they got three oh, yards. Yeah. And at that point like run something where you're going to make the field goal like substantially easier, not just a three, a potentially. And like, it's that run wasn't designed to get much. Like, so like there was a good chance that he was going to get like a smaller type gain. And they put Jake Elliott in a situation where he had to make a 56 yard field goal, which he did make, hmm. but uh, in, in rainy conditions, by the way, Jake Elliott is a stud. He missed the PAT, yeah. not great. And he, one of his field goals, he you know had to doink off the upright. I think that was a forty-eight yarder. Um, so you know he wasn't perfect by any means, but he made. He was four for four on his field goals, and two of them from were from plus fifty. And that fifty-six yarder, he yeah. really bailed out that bad play call. Uh, I think it was third and seventeen, maybe it was something in that range. It was a long third down, and they called a they called a they called like they called a play that, that they thought was going to get them into better field goal range. Mm-hmm. But even if you get like six or seven yards on that play, it's still a 50-yard field goal <laughs> in rainy conditions. <laughs> right. And you already saw him miss a PAT at that point. You saw him doink going off the upright. You can't like count on him to make that field goal in that situation. So I think he, they had to be a little more aggressive there. Yep. Get like, you know, 10 to 50, Even if you don't get the first down, maybe like 10 to 15 yards. or are still maybe a little bit short. Maybe you do get the first down. But like... To to go out there and, and, you know, I mean, to run that play with Kenny Cainwell, don't like it. And then the other, this isn't on Brian Johnson. This is on Nick Siriani, in my opinion. At the end of the first half, hmm. 25 seconds. No, was it 25? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's 25 seconds left. And they're on their 25 after uh, a kickoff. They were content to just run basically a, a glorified kneel down. They ran like a, a nothing run play. And they ran it's into the tunnel. Well. Garbage. That is... Garbage. If we all remember the NFC Championship game where the Eagles had the ball, I think it was their, I think the situation was it was their own 20, 29 seconds. They ran mm-hmm. three plays, got 60 yards. Jake Elliott hit a 38 yard field goal and they go into the half. And I mean, that's like a demoralizing, it's only a field yeah. goal. That's a demoralizing three points if you're the opponent there where you just give up. And by the way, the, the Dolphins had a similar situation on Sunday where (laughs) there was nine seconds left and they hit two big plays and then they Mm -hmm. kicked a field goal. So like the other teams around the league were nine seconds, similar situation. The Eagles had 25 seconds. I think they had a timeout or two. I think they only had one timeout, but like for that to see them be the wuss non-aggressive team in that situation goes against everything that we've seen from the Nick Sirianni and Nick Sirianni and Doug Peterson eras.
1: I agree with that energy. It was just wrong. It was cowardly. It made me question, like, do they want to win this game? Like, show me you want to win the game. I can't even tell if you're like, you're not actively, like, the energy you're giving me is not like, oh, we're definitely going out to win this game. It's like, no, we're going to play it safe. Like, Since when? Since when is that the attitude? Definitely didn't like those things as well. Weird, weird start to the season for Nick Sirianni, I would say. Um, going back to the Gainwell part of it, just in terms of calling a draw on some of those plays, like, let's go, go back to the talent thing. Why do you want... It's a third down, crucial third down. Who are you putting the ball in their hands? Kenny Gainwell? We're not throwing it to A.J. Brown? We're not... like Again, like, that's that's why it's part of the well usage bothers me so much. It's just, like, it's opportunity cost. This is a touch that could be going to so much more of a talented player, and you're forcing it to him. Like, I think Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown are quite capable of converting a long-to-go situation, and... Entering the halftime, Jimmy, Gainwell, DeAndre Swift, and Quez Watkins had the same amount of targets as A.J., Devontae, and Goddard. Like, that's just again, <laughs> it's a failure. How? How is that happening? You can't do that. That is not a recipe for success at any point. Uh, you touched well on the Jake Elliott point there. Um, why don't we talk about the remaining Eagles coordinator who we didn't talk about? Well, hold on, to, to, to piggyback
2: real quick off of your... Uh... Uh, Kenny Gainwell points he, he had 18 touches okay A.J. Brown Devontae Smith combined at 14 mm-hmm. Goddard had none Quez had two so Kenny Gainwell had more touches than A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins and Dallas Goddard combined no <laughs> It's not, not, and he's a running back, so of course running backs are going to get more touches because they're just handoffs or whatever. But no, come on, come on, guys, what are you doing?
1: Who is who likes this? Who out there is like opposing defensive coordinators like it? Right, good point. But you know how (laughs) I feel like most players have stands, even like guys like Jalen Rager and Ben Simmons had guys who you know go to the go to bat for them against all odds. Who's out there like Kenny Gainwell does deserve all? No one's saying that. No one is, you know, there's no even, no one's out there being like, Kenny Gainwell should get all the touches. No one is saying that. And he's fine. Like, we're not, I don't want to sound like we're bashing Kenny
2: Gainwell here, but you just have so many better options in the offense.
1: Uh, going back to the Michael Clay of it all, who, again, Michael Clay got a raise and extension after last season with all the issues that Eagle's special teams unit had. In this game, it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, he had the nice, oh, so there's Jake Elliott, but I'm not giving Michael Clay credit for that. Like Jake Elliott Elliott clearly established himself as a good kicker. And also that Tyler Brown guy that Eagles have on staff, he's kind of like their kicking coach. He's, he's, He's more involved in that part than Michael Clay is. Michael Clay, like a former NFL linebacker. Like he's, what does he know about like kicking? like well no, he's even said it. that before like he's gotten kicking yeah, questions and not, like, I don't know. Like, not, kick- that's not his thing so i <laughs> mean yeah. I'm, I'm not including that in there i think some people do because it's literally a special team's play but that's a different thing we're talking about like coverage units and everything um he allowed a 43 kick off return not great um there were issues with timeouts being taken and I think there was an instance where both like yeah. Blankenship and Sua opetta separately, or like they weren't in at the right time, or they just right. had to burn timeouts with this. Like that has to fall on Michael Clay at some level. Like I've heard the excuses. You've brought this up in the past, especially as it was related to Dave fit back in the day. And I know Bo Wolf brings this up a lot. Like Eagles don't vest a lot in special teams. So people right. should have low expectations. And I get that to an extent, but it's really hard for me to believe that, Michael Clay is like doing as much as he can with what he has. And when you're having these mistakes like they are, and when I think the unit could still be better than it's performing, like that's kind of that's kind of hard for me to buy. That he's doing the absolute most he can with what little he has to work with. There were some positive special teams plays, like I mentioned the Sydney Brown big hit and Marcus Jones, mm-hmm. who's like the NFL's arguably Josh Jobe best had returner. One too. Josh Job had one, as I mentioned earlier. So that was nice to see. Aaron Sipos had day. a good day. Okay, so I want to talk about that. The question, but like, it's not like, oh, Aaron Sevoss is great, and now all concerns yeah, I mean, are they alleviated.
2: Absolutely, still sign a new punter.
1: Well, oh, yeah, but- like, how, the, the the issue was never that he can't have a good game or he can't look good or decent in the regular season as much as you would be insane to go into a playoff game trusting him. Right, you and, would and be insane.
2: The, to be clear, he looked good on the Aaron Sipas scale. Like he looked great on the Aaron Sipas scale,
1: but he, was, oh, he also he made was, a mistake too, right? To made, some extent,
2: he, he he looked normal. He looked like a normal punter on Sunday is what I'll say.
1: But also because he kind of held onto the ball there in fear of it being blocked at that one point, they got that penalty for the, like the, illegal oh, uh-huh. punt, right, right. Which I think ended up costing them like 10 yards of field position. I looked on that. Uh, when we look at where those balls were returned to. So it wasn't like an a plus day for him. And yeah, you mentioned on the Aaron Sabas scale. So I don't know, man, kind of just a sloppy game all around. Um, Nick Sirianni talked about how not certainly doing this, but potentially altering their preseason plan for next year. I don't think they need to do that in a major way. Um, I mentioned Jody earlier. He actually brought up a good point that I kind of forgot about. Steelers played their starters a lot in the preseason. They were, there was a lot of hype about the Steelers yeah, because of that. Got their they had like. kicked. I think they had five starting drives and they scored touchdowns on all five drives in the preseason. Kenny Pickett looks really good. Didn't translate to week one when they got smashed at home by the 49ers. So I still not putting the most stock in the preseason. I do think it's fair to say they should play more than none at all. And I do think things got a little weird in this preseason because originally the Eagles were scheduled to play the Ravens, I believe on Friday night. And then that game got pushed back to Saturday for some reason. And then the Eagles had joint training camp practices uh, on the Monday and Tuesday that next week leading up to their Thursday game. And I think they didn't play the starters in part because they wanted you know, to have them fully fresh for the joint practices. So I think the scheduling kind of got weird and kind of got away from them. I think they will play them. They would have played them if it was a more normal situation. Um, again, I don't think that makes all the difference in the world, but I think it's fair to wonder if they should play a little bit. So, uh, I wasn't in, in
2: the Nick Sirianni presser post game. I was in the locker room, so I didn't hear that whole thing or be. A, I wasn't a part of it, but apparently he said that he's going to look at that going, you know, next year. And yeah, he even that's made what a I note. just said. Oh, he made a, he even yeah. he made a note during the game to remind yeah.
1: himself, yeah, maybe we should play these guys for a series or two. So, you know, I think as a whole, there was some rust to shake off coaching staff, players, um, the sky's not falling. It's you know they won a game. <laughs> no, that's that's the thing. I'm saying that after they won a game, it's so it's so funny. Uh, it didn't feel, but it was, in fairness, like it didn't it feel like fun. A, like a legit
2: NFL team. Like it's not you know it, they didn't beat the the 49ers or the Cowboys or the Chiefs or the Bills, mm-hmm. but it, like it's a, a a form. It was a formidable opponent, is what I'll say.
1: They're, I think the Patriots have a high floor because Bill, Bill Belichick yes. gives them a high floor. I don't yeah, think they have a formidable this ceiling anymore. week one
2: upon and they, they they even covered,
1: <laughs> they even covered this the spread. Eagles did cover,
2: and they they beat Bill Bill Belichick in Gillette Stadium. So there's something mm-hmm. to be said, you know. But uh, but again, we can all see if you watch the game, we can all see they didn't play that well.
1: No, uh, and they had an opportunity to run with away with it. You know, after that strong start, you get up which should have been 17-0, three possessions if you make that extra point, which would have been, you know, nice to have there. And, you know, there's a world where they just run away with it at that point. They didn't. Um, And it's a a weird thing to say. Uh, You can make the case that it's not good that they are on a short week going to the Vikings game because maybe they need some time to really look this over and the mistakes and, and clean things up and have, you know, the practice time to do that. On the flip side, you could say, "Turn the page, forget forget about that onto the Vikings, have a big win over them, and then you can kind of get to everything with the mini buy that you're concerned about and kind of figure through uh, figure out some things and work through what you need to work through. So I guess which one of those two two do you buy more? Well, they
2: have the big advantage in that they're playing at home for the Thursday night mm-hmm. game too. so you know they're not they're not traveling like the Vikings are gonna have to do, Of course, the Eagles home opener. today or last night yes or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, the problem I think is that they have five guys that are hurt all of a sudden, and they're gonna have to figure out how to. And at positions where they're not deep in some cases, so they're gonna have to figure out potentially how to replace. And some of those guys will play. Like I think Reed Blankenship is gonna is is gonna play. Um, James Bradbury probably not. Kobe Dean definitely not. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, those positions. You know, a little dicey. (laughs) Like So I don't know. We'll see how that goes. And again, like I said earlier, I think we got to see, you know, who came out of the uh, Vikings Buccaneers game uh, hurt or whatever. But the Eagles had a big advantage on the injury
1: front week one and maybe not as much week two. The Eagles still have that offensive line or sorry, defensive line advantage, I would say. the Vikings offensive line can be had. So we'll see if they can make a difference. The Eagles offensive line, by the way, that's kind of like a thing to watch. I would file that away under like thing to watch. I don't think they. I think they had a great game relative to their standard, which is very high in fairness. Sure. And that applies to the whole team. And that's part of why this win is not enjoyable as it might be otherwise, because the expectations are so freaking high. And that's part of the the bad thing about coming off a successful season is that it's not about just having fun and exceeding expectations anymore. It's kind of like it's a high bar and if you don't meet it then it stinks it's disappointing and if you do well then you did what you were supposed to do it's not like thrilling unless you have a win like the giant or the cowboys rather or the 49ers kind of did. We
2: should talk about that real quick those te- they look great both like the 49ers sure. and the Cowboys both looked awesome on on like let's just be honest they looked awesome week 1 both of them
1: Everything uh-huh. went I right think the...
2: For, for the for the forty niners in particular. Everything went right for them. Like McCaffrey had a big had a big run for a touchdown. Purdy looked legitimately good. Iuk yeah. had a huge. If Brandon Ayuk can like become a really good player for them, and you pair him with Debo Samuel and George Kittle, that's a problem. And their defense played really well. And Nick Bosa, you know, got his deal done, and he played most of the mm-hmm. game. So like everything went right for them week one. Dallas a little bit less so.
1: I was going to say I was more impressed by the 49ers than the Cowboys,
2: but the Cowboys' defense—good lord, man—they mm-hmm. are very good. They have—I ju- mean—they just look like a swarm of bees, like going after Daniel Jones all night. And then on the back end, you have Trayvon Diggs creating two turnovers. You have Stephon Gilmore getting an interception. So I mean, that's mm-hmm. a—that that might be the best defense in the NFL. They didn't need their offense to do anything. Like I—I I, I wrote in my hierarchy thing. uh that if they had just punted on first down on mm-hmm. all their possessions, they would have won that game anyway. They would they would have they legit uh, like that's a joke, but it's also not like if they had punted on first down, they still would have won that game.
1: Yeah. I mean, their defense has been very good for the past two seasons. And that's something that's hard to do in the NFL. Typically retain that kind of success. They've been able to keep Dan Quinn. They have a lot of the same talent there. And yep. it's certainly led by Micah Parsons, who is a big deal. Um They're good. They look good. I do think Dak didn't look good, or at least, you know, a little. He was not sharp. He didn't need to be because of how good the defense was. But I think I'm also kind of still monitoring that coming off a season where he did not play. He had his worst season. So, I mean, he was 13 to 24 for a 143, 6.0 average, and a 72 pass rating. Again, Cowboys are certainly being conservative to some extent. right? But I also saw him miss some throws. I saw a lot of high throws when he had clean pockets to work with that was a really rainy game guys. too uh so, so gotta, yeah gotta forgive that to some degree as well but again it might not matter if he doesn't look that great if the defense is gonna be lights yes. out so yeah um yeah certainly those teams look good but it's week one it's an incredibly long season there's gonna be injuries there's gonna be guys figuring it out not figuring it out whatever so much can change brian uh, I brewer Eagles, i don't know if you
2: you've know him you know him from uh twitter he had a good, he, he listed some like week one outcomes in 2022. Mm-hmm. Like remember the Cowboys game week one last yep. year against the Buccaneers where like How'd Dak you? got hurt and they couldn't do anything like yep. nothing on offense. Just look like a, like they look like a bottom five team in that first game. So, you know, you don't want to, this is of course, like everyone's going to overreact to what happens on week one.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, it's uh, it's only one. It's only one game for every team in the league. Also. Yeah. I mean, look at how many teams have it worse than the Eagles in terms of the Vikings. I'm sure Vikings fans are feeling pretty awful right now heading into Thursday night. Probably thinking right. we're going to be Owen, 2 We're <laughs> playing the Eagles next. <laughs> right. We just we can't even beat freaking Baker Mayfield. Right. Uh, at home. I'm, yeah. At home. As as they were five point favorites in that game. Kirk Cousins uh, was
2: 33 of 44 for like 347 <laughs> yards. A couple touchdowns. A pick. And they lost and they only scored 17 points which is basically Kirk cousins career in a nutshell but like but it's like you, you watch that as a vikings fan you go yeah okay that game looked really familiar
1: mm-hmm. and what else might look familiar is if he doesn't play well in prime time like he typically is not known <laughs> right. for doing against the eagles on thursday yeah. so we'll see if that continues also the bengals the bengals are like you know, a lot of a, a very popular Super Bowl pick sure. out there. That's who Shield Capadia, who I you know I, I, I think all of us have the we utmost respect, respect for. Kapadia. Yeah, like that's their he's their Super Bowl. Like so, I mean, like and imagine being them and basically doing nothing against the Browns, who by the way, Jim Schwartz, really good defensive coordinator. Just yep. in case you forgot. Um, so certainly yes, there are there's perspective to be had, and it's even it's funny that I do I feel like I have to like qualify it. I don't, if you talk about like panic level with the Eagles scale of one to 10 after that game, I'm like, a, if 10 is the most, I'm like two and a half. Like, yeah, I was I'm probably pretty low too. coming yeah. into the season, I'm like slightly more concerned for sure. Uh, I don't know how you could not be and acknowledge there's real issues, but. I think people lose perspective on every team has issues. I say this all the time. Like there's no perfect. There are very few perfect rosters out there every and there's people or there's teams with holes at much more important positions than linebacker and safety. They have holes at quarterback or offensive line or wide receiver like or tight end like the, the Eagles. I think ultimately can be fine. You, you beat the Vikings this week. Everyone will forget. You have a nice win over the Vikings. Everyone forgets about week one and you're going into the mini buy and you're like, Hey, we have a chance to go three. You know, the bucks coming up. Right. So, uh, win this week. And I think you can kind of put that behind you. Uh, it does, it does remind me a little bit of the Colts game last year. I think it was like, it could be, it could prove to be this kind of weird one-off game and you kind of just, you flush it, you move on, you build on it. And then you turn the page. I think we all can agree. You don't want to be a giants fan today. Exactly. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Man. Like, like you go off season, excited coming off like first playoff appearance in like five or six years or whatever playoff win, it was. and then you lose it. Lose forty to nothing in a game that like was probably even worse than the score would indicate. Like you forty against to you nothing big,
1: against a big division rival against a team that you're now I think eleven or or twelve or one in twelve in your last thirteen games against. Like you, there's no hope. That was part of why making our picks. I'm like, you can't possibly give the giants the benefit of the doubt. The Cowboys were my lock of the week. Like why would this, this franchise has proven they cannot beat the other franchise ever. I was All listening
2: right. to um uh the, the giants radio call of that on my way back to my hotel from uh Gillette stadium last night and their play by play guy. I think it's Bob Papa. And I think, their color analyst is um, Banks, Carl Banks, I think, and they were killing, just killing the Giants. Banks was like, he's like, at some point, at some point, like, when are you gonna stop, like, just taking these punches in the mouth and mm-hmm. fight back at some point? Like, and he kept saying, he kept saying that line over and over and over again. It was like a forty-minute guy yeah. for me. He must have said it like three or four times during my drive. It was uh, very enjoyable to listen to.
1: <laughs> yep, not a good start. The only team that didn't win in the NFCs—they're so behind yeah. every other team. It was so very funny spot. that he kept
2: saying that line over and over again. Like, when are you gonna when are you gonna like do anything about them punching in the mouth repeatedly?
1: <laughs> it is fair. I mean, like, even <laughs> yeah. if you get blown out, maybe you have at least some life at one point. You have one touchdown drive, even in garbage time, do something. Nothing. Shut out. That's that's really. And it's then really they kept putting Daniel
2: Jones out. I would gotten back to my hotel room and Chris Collinsworth is making the point. Well, uh, Daniel Jones is making a statement by staying out there and his teammates no, will not. respect him. And then as soon as he said that he got wrecked on like the next <laughs> two plays, just destroyed by Dallas pass rushers. And then the next series, sure enough, he's not out there anymore.
1: That's so silly. <laughs> yeah. his teammates want to fight hard for him now. Well, if they did, they wouldn't be in a 40 <laughs> hole. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, any final thoughts to me?
2: Uh yeah. Uh avoid I ninety five in Connecticut. Mm. Like the plague. Actually it wasn't bad on the way home, but the way there, not fun. And also, if you're ever driving through Connecticut, I think I've made this recommendation before, but on my on my way home, I stopped at Colony Grill in Stamford, Ooh. Connecticut. I used to live in Stamford, Connecticut for like a year. Mm. And uh Colony Grill, it's a it's a it's a little dive bar, but it's a pizza place too. And they have like, it's like that oil, uh, like thin crust pizza. It's not new Haven style. It's kind of new Haven style. Yeah. It's a lot okay. like like, yeah, it's like a re- really thin crust pizza and they're not that big. Like you can, if you're really hungry, you can polish off the entire pizza, uh, which I did on the way on the car ride home, <laughs> I picked nice. it up on the way home and I, uh, polished that off in the car. Uh, But yeah, if you're ever driving like it's right off of 95, like you get off 95 and it's like you're there within a minute. So it's not like a big detour if you ever have to drive up to like Connecticut or Rhode Island or Massachusetts, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, whatever. Uh, Worth a stop if you're ever uh, on 95 going through Southern Connecticut.
1: My final thought has to do with some news that I saw right after the injury report that uh, you had pointed out to me. Jason Peters turns 42 in January. Cowboys. the The Seattle Seahawks Seahawks bring him in <laughs> okay. because uh, I guess Charles Cross, their left tackle, has uh, a toe a turf toe injuries week to Ooh. week. Uh, they're not signing him, at least of, as of this report I'm seeing from Ian Rappaport, But they're bringing him in to work out. JP, man, he's still he's still here. He's still he's still playing potentially if they sign him. So and they will play, the play the Seahawks, of course, later exactly. this year. The, the weekend the before Christmas, I believe. So maybe they will go up against him once again, like they did last year when they played the Cowboys. Yep. Um, we will see. But that's my final thought. This has been BGN Radio, the recap show of week one. We will certainly have a preview show for you probably to come out on Wednesday with the short week coming up against the Minnesota. So the Vikings will preview that matchup and do our normal preview show routine also the NFC East mixtape coming up so not looking forward to that from the standpoint of RJ (laughs) is going to both I can anticipate him being like oh Cowboys week one looked awesome so much better than the Eagles while also refusing to acknowledge how the Cowboys looked in week one last year like you just mentioned against the Buccaneers so certainly I will be bringing that up to him and he will certainly try to ignore it and tell me that the Cowboys are definitely winning the Super Bowl now so you can listen to that and you can also check out our wonderful sponsors. That is Right to Sell and Craft Jerky. That is discount code BGN15 for 15% off. That's Wrong Crowd Beer Company, okay. Wrong And Crowd Kristen Beer. Roach com. of Roach
2: Realtors, uh, 856-906-9295. If you're looking to buy or sell your home,
1: again, 856-906-9295. Also at roachrealtors.com. Okay, Jimmy, we will be back And not too long, because it's a short week, and we'll talk to you then. Goodbye, everybody.
2: P.G.N.